This episode is brought to you by Splash Refresher. I believe in the three beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash, they spice it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. My flavor that I've been enjoying the most lately is the wild berry. Keep one on your desk. You'll be hydrated in no time. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Betches Media presents Ha ha, laugh, funny Mention it all, a Bravo by Betches podcast We don't say that, but now we said it With me, Dylan Hafer We're gonna check me, boo Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mention It All podcast. It is a new week and I'm so excited to be here with a good friend of mine and a returning guest to the podcast. Please welcome back Jared Alexander. Hey Jared. Hey Dylan, how are you? I am so good. I'm I'm so happy to speak to you because I mean, of course, there's always lots of stuff going on on Bravo, but we were just texting last night about Renaissance, a film by Beyonce. And I just, okay. Usually on this podcast, I feel like I don't really spend a lot of time talking about like other things that I'm watching or like what else is going on in the world. But just like watching Beyonce for three hours, it it was just like what my soul needed. (laughs) It was everything and more. It literally was like a religious experience, which I know sounds so overdramatic, but like it really was exactly what I needed this weekend. What we all need. And, you know... Potomac, known for its great editing. Renaissance, I feel like also an editing achievement. It's like going from Beyonce switching between like 50 different couture outfits to watching NECA's husband's sperm swimming (laughs) on Potomac. I'm like, editing contains multitudes as a profession. It really does. It's also like um, you have like Karen's pie, her little pieces of her pie, whatever that metaphor she's trying to use uh, versus the like cozy Beyonce dance where you're seeing like 20 different looks in five seconds. (laughs) I just like to I like to shout out artistic excellence. And I also another piece of uh, excellent journalism, actually, that I want to talk about is this article that was in the cut last week about Bethany Frankel, because this this arrives, and Bethany obviously has been getting a lot of attention lately, and it feels like every time she opens her mouth, she sort of <laughs> sinks further into, I don't know what she's trying to do, but this the headline of this article is, Bethany Frankel still dragging everyone, TikToking a baked potato with the self-described Aaron Brockovich of the reality TV reckoning. And it just is like, this, this whole piece, it's not like, it's not a takedown in a overly negative way it just is a portrait of somebody who is just sort of like flailing through this experience of thinking of herself as like the champion of something and it just feels like the more and more that we hear from bethany it becomes more clear that she has no idea what she's actually working toward it's it's diminishing returns every single time. I feel like, I mean, I we were texting kind of immediately about it when it dropped. And shout out to The Cut, because it is just, like you said, it's not a takedown piece, but it's a, it's a fair piece. And it is absolutely a portrait of this person who has very much been in the public eye a lot this year. The front of this, I'm using air quotes, movement. but And we've talked about it, I think, on the podcast and, and off, just about how, you know, the the point of the movement and the 
very real things that she's bringing up versus like Bethany's intentions or, or what she can kind of gain from it. And it seems like each time she does a piece or an interview, her, you just, she loses credibility a little bit. I hate to say it, but she does. And it's a weird, it's, it is almost someone tweeted how it's just like, if you were to like zoom out, of like housewives in general, it's like almost Shakespearean how Bethany's whole trajectory has gone. Um, and, and kind of to quote that unnamed housewife, yeah, <laughs> in the piece, comparing it to like Frankenstein. I wrote down this quote because it is so good. So Brock Colliar, who wrote the piece, says that when another one of Bethany's former co-stars heard that they were working on this piece, they reached out and didn't want to be named. But the the quote is, she's a creation of Bravo. They created a Frankenstein, gave her power, and as in life-imitating art, she turned against her creator. It was obvious and inevitable. She'd like everyone to believe that she gives a damn about the exploitative nature of reality TV. Instead, what she's doing is desperately trying to keep herself relevant, making herself the hero without doing any real work. So that was a lovely quote by, I allegedly, Carol Radziwill. Who else could it be? (laughs) (laughs) Who else could it be? I mean, that was so clearly from a writer, A, and so clearly Carol. Like, and it was a delicious quote. (laughs) Also, this specification that this person reached out to the author of the piece, it's like, that's Carol. (laughs) And I like how they, I mean, there are only so many people it could be. We were tweeting about, they were texting about this in terms of like, just the syntax of the sentences. Like, there's only so many people. But I will say that, Directly after that is when they like they add in the ebony quote from the Vanity Fair piece, and it almost like cancels out you thinking it could be her because they like immediately go into that. So I, it's Carol, come on. Yeah, it's it just is. It's Alicia. funny because Bethany is now I I don't know six months or so into this project of the reality reckoning that she you know is positioning herself as sort of like the the Joan of Arc of of reality TV, <laughs> and it. It feels like instead of working toward some end goal, it feels like it gets murkier and murkier, like what the actual intent is. And I think it's too bad because I think when she first started talking about this sort of scrutiny and looking at things and, you know, talking about how the, the sausage gets made, I think it felt like there were real opportunities to maybe improve on some things and obviously bravo had sent out the the communication about better like alcohol management on their shows and you know there have been some some steps taken whether or not those are related to what bethany's doing but it's just like she can't stop herself from getting in the way of the the potential for good here and it's just like well at the end of the day we're not going to stop watching housewives and so (laughs) I don't know. Right. It's like it's it's too bad because it did feel like for a second it was like, wow, maybe she's right. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, what I've been saying this whole time is that it's really not the message. It feels like it's the messenger because everything that she was saying absolutely even just aligned with the double Hollywood strike that we saw this summer. And I mean, we were together at BravoCon on the heels of the Vanity Fair piece. And that was already like three <laughs> like of one of her big interviews in. And there wasn't that much of an impact at all. And it it is a shame. But then you kind of parallel it with like, yes, she's talking about like making these changes and wanting to like burn the house down and like being the squeaky wheel. But then she's also saying that they're calling her Aaron Brockovich. So it's like you're kind of like you can't help but question her 
point in all this? Her her intentions, I should say. But it's like Aaron Brockovich didn't get rich from working at the <laughs> the chemical company. <laughs> like right. the whole the whole point was that Aaron Brockovich was like, I don't want my kids drinking this water. <laughs> like, yes. like if, if Aaron Brockovich was a rich woman living in a mansion, the story wouldn't be that compelling julia roberts would not have won that oscar and so it's like i mean that comparison is is wild in so many ways but it's yeah it's it it just feels like we're kind of and also it's so obvious that she doesn't actually have her finger on the pulse of what's going on on reality tv in 2023 because the way that she talks about some of these shows and like the the new york reboot for example she admits right off the bat that she hasn't watched it, but she still has a lot of thoughts about it. She, you know, did the same thing with Vanderpump Rules in her interview with Rachel saying the first time she ever watched the show was the season 10 reunion. But then she's making these like sweeping claims about everything that's happening on reality TV. Like it really feels like she wants to have it both ways of, of being above it, but also being the foremost expert on it. And I think you know, now we're seeing she is, I believe, an executive producer of uh, Rachel Goes Rogue, the new uh, oh my god, uh, Rachel Levis podcast coming January 2024, and it's like, sure, I guess, I guess this is the way forward for for Bethany. When that picture dropped, I literally <laughs> lost my breath. I was like, oh my god, it's just like a creepy picture, and she's a gorgeous girl, but it's just like such a weird. We were talking about this at BravoCon, Dylan. I feel like we were like, man, like I heard with these podcast deals, like it seems like they're kind of like the home for Bravo. And it's kind of crazy, you know, that like there's never been like a, I feel like in another world, like Bravo would have their own podcast network, but I guess it's just iHeart now at this point. But like so many housewives and Bravo related people are there. Yeah, and so I guess we should have seen it coming. We're So we're talking about this, I believe to just today, the two Jersey Jays. <laughs> podcast officially launched with Jackie and Jen Fessler and that one is being executive produced by the two T's ladies Tamara and Teddy and so they really are kind of they're going further and further down this route of this whole kind of like network of within a network of Bravo related shows but it's interesting because while you have the two T's and the Jersey J's who are I mean, I haven't listened to Jackie and Jen's, but Two T's, it's a Housewives podcast. Like, they're Correct. recapping Housewives. They're very, like, in the world of Housewives talking about all of these things. And I think people really like that about them. Whereas yeah. on the other side, but still within iHeart, you have Bethany, who is, you know, n- you know, the Norma Ray of, of Bravo. <laughs> but then, and so she's, you know, Posting these recap episodes of what's happening at BravoCon, making it sound like it's, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, and she, but she isn't actually there. And then she's executive producing this show for Rachel, which I can only assume is going to be some sort of, you know, air quotes, like deconstruction of some, right. the reality TV machine or, you know, being a villain or scandal or whatever it's unclear what that actually is going to look like but it's like it's funny that at this that it's kind of like brilliant of iheart that they're like looking like hmm you know what we could do is we could have both the podcast of people obsessed with reality tv and the podcast of somebody who's trying to destroy it and we can make money off of both of those (laughs) one 
thousand percent, Dylan. That's exactly it. And then look, it's dropping in January when we know Vanderpump Rules is coming back that month. So, I mean, it makes sense. And I mean, we can't forget about Larsa and Marcus. I mean, that is just like, what a pod, <laughs> you know, like they're really just. <laughs> Larsa and Marcus and uh, Seth and Meredith, I believe, are both on iHeart. And it's yes. like, the okay. Are Alexia and Marisol? Oh, God, don't ask me that. <laughs> I, oh, my gosh. It was so funny. I think it was um, I think it was Ira Madison last week who tweeted that he's like, we, Andy, we need to make it illegal for Housewives to film recording their podcast because in the last few weeks, we've had whole scenes of both Larsa and Marcus and Seth and Meredith sitting down to record their podcasts. And I'm sorry, yeah. there is no way for that to be interesting. If you want to listen to the podcast, more power to you. But like we can't keep having this as a storyline. Like even on Absolutely. OC, we barely hear about two T's in a pod. And that's like one of the most successful ones. <laughs> 1000%. And that I feel like when it was maybe brought up, it was because she had said something on it. Like that's way more interesting if it's driving story. If it's not, I don't need to see them sitting down. It's just, there's no way to make that. I barely like to watch like an actual video recording of a podcast for the whole episode. Yeah. Like, why would I want to watch a show of them filming it? It's just like... I, Right, like Whitney and Justin going over to Seth and Meredith's house to film the pot to do the podcast. It's like just go to lunch. I don't, I don't yes, to, I don't like. I don't. It, it's strange because you, we do kind of see this is this happens all the time on reality shows where there's sort of like a specific activity or type of storyline that kind of sweeps across the planes of like everybody's going to go axe throwing or everybody's going to yeah do goat yoga and i feel like podcasting is kind of just like it's like that but it feels like there's more of like a business incentive to do it and it's just if you want to listen to all these podcasts truly go for it obviously i mean i'm a part of the bravo podcast (laughs) economy but it's like god damn we can't we can't keep doing this no you would think it's like podcasting the new frontier like i think it's so funny how like trends on housewives are always like 10 or 15 years like you know what i mean it's like kind of like now we can finally talk about it where it's like i feel like heather dubrow is a good example like she has had a really successful podcast and she left the first time she's only left once but when she left um and we never see like we've been in her podcast room we are spending all the time watching her talk about or watching her record her podcast it's so weird that's a good point i'm i am hoping that when vanderpump rules comes back there's not too much podcast Ugh. content on the show well, you're right because we had last season there was it was the whole time going on the episode but that at least really did drive story it drove story but i think more of like when scandal was happening their podcasts were all popping off so much with good reason you know sheena and lala and all of them were really like getting into it but i'm like okay i don't need to see sheena recording every week on vanderpump rules <laughs> Summer is fast approaching, which means more social events, more weddings to attend, more nights on the town, and hopefully more vacations. That's why I'm so thankful for today's sponsor, Honey Love, for covering us with the best shapewear. With Honey Love, you can feel your best even when you're wearing less. They've revolutionized compression technology, so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. Plus, they are the only shapewear that won't ever roll down, no matter how much you groove on the dance floor. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash 
MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash MIA. When talking about effective shapewear, Honeylove's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. The superpower short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering the perfect amount of compression. You won't have to worry about it rolling down, which is unheard of in shapewear, thanks to flexible boning that's hidden in the side seams. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back of the thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com MIA. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started, honeys. Shape your life with Honey Love. The weather is getting warmer, so it's time to ditch those jackets and sweaters for shorts and tees. I used to waste my money on clothes that would only last one season. That was until I found Quince. Now I've got high quality pieces that never go out of style that I'll be wearing year after year. Now that it's getting warmer, I just stocked up on the Quince Cotton Modal t-shirts. I love a black t-shirt that's the right balance of looking really nice, but feeling really comfortable. It's 50% cotton, 50% modal. It's lightweight. It's breathable. It has a little stretch to it, but it looks so put together. I also just stocked up on more of my favorite Quince socks because let's be honest, I am at the point in my life where I don't need to have any socks in my closet that have holes in them. I'm getting the Quince ones that are going to last me a long time. They're just the perfect staple to have in your wardrobe. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, which I just love. Upgrade your wardrobe today. Go to quince.com mention for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com mention to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com mention. I have to say, I probably will listen to the first episode of Rachel Goes Rogue just because I feel like I owe it to everyone else. <laughs> yes. And I feel like that's going to be the one you're going to want to listen to. Like, here's the thing. Now that, like, the dust has settled, I certainly feel like a lot of us have, like, re-examined, like, how that all went down. Like, how much ownership she should take of it versus Sandoval. Just, like, how the whole thing in general. So I'm for sure interested to hear her story. Do I need to listen every week, though? Absolutely not. But I'll listen to the first episode. Sure. You know, especially because yeah. she isn't going to be in the season. I'm still so curious as to how we're going to, like, move forward with that. But also, Dylan, does it feel like we've had a break from them? Like, that is the one thing that is, like, stressing me out a little bit is that I feel like it was, like, the scandal of it all was so huge. Then we go into Dancing with her. It was the Stars on Mars. Then we have the Dancing with the Stars, and it's like, and then as they were filming, we were, like, getting all this footage, all that, like, because obviously it became the biggest show on Bravo, so, like, all these fans are taking videos, and you're seeing stuff. It just is, like, it doesn't feel like we've ever stopped, like, it's ever just slowed down and gotten a little quiet. Yeah, I I have mixed feelings. I think it doesn't feel like we got too much of the storyline while they were filming, so I'm not Mm -hmm. super concerned about that. Like, I don't, it's not, like, with... Puppy Gate or like the Erica and Tom stuff oh where it God. felt like we kind of knew exactly what was happening 
with the season. But I agree mm-hmm. that there has been sort of like a saturation level of that cast this year. I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see more of like the vibe of having them together though, because it's been a lot of like Ariana's doing her project here and then Sandoval's on this show and you know maybe Jax is popping up somewhere. But like I I definitely am still really curious to see sort of how they move forward as a group. But uh, I don't know. I definitely am too. And listen, it's going to be huge. And I, but I also think it's been interesting too. And it was nowhere near as humongous or like culture shaking as Scandal. But I do appreciate, and I feel like maybe it was a, a carpet interview or something where Paige DeSorbo was talking about how like with the Summer House and with like the Carl and Lindsay of it all, I do appreciate how like none of them ran to podcasts to talk about it. And a lot of them have podcasts. Mm. And we just are like going to, watch it play out and also it just felt like a little more for a cast that was almost just as divided especially when it comes to Lindsay. um it was really interesting to see that people weren't running to like you know kind of profit off of it and again it wasn't as big but still i really liked how like everyone was just kind of like this is shitty for all parties and you'll have to wait and see (laughs) and it's weird you know yeah that's a good point i really i haven't thought that much about Summer House in the last few months, Mm -hmm. which is kind of how it should be. Like, you know, shows go away, and then you start to miss them, and then they're back with another season. And that's kind of like the natural, you know, life cycle of a TV show. And I think sometimes, you know, social media, it's great that these people can do so many things with their platform, but there really is something kind of amazing. That's why actually, this is random, but I'm excited for season two of Southern Hospitality, which starts next week, I think, because I haven't thought about those people since season one. And so I'm ready for whatever they're going to give me, but I don't really have much... I don't have much of a preconceived notion of what that is. And so I think sometimes with those newer shows or those kind of more under the radar shows, it actually can benefit them because there aren't these like super high expectations going into the season. And I don't feel like, oh, well, you know, I'm seeing these losers on Instagram every week. It's like, no, I, I, I miss, I miss uh, Grace Lily a little bit. Right. No, I, I promise you, I have no idea what's gone on at Republic the past seven months. <laughs> and I'm excited, but I'm excited about that. I've been like, you know me, I've been singing like the Southern Hospitality praises for since it pro- debuted last year. And it, again, it was only eight episodes, but I feel like it's a show that has so much promise. But yeah, it's nice that like we don't know. And I think we were sitting next to each other at the Southern Charm panel when they showed that sneak preview clip of like Leva watching the security footage I was like oh my gosh I was like this just feels like so it feels so fun and we don't really know what's going to happen outside of like you know it looks like I'm sure there's going to be some sort of cheating scandal or like a lot of drama but like it's you know I'm so pumped for that show to come back totally switching gears a little bit I want to talk about Real Housewives of Potomac and it it feels at least online the last week or two like we are getting into a place where there's maybe some concern about this franchise and i you and i have talked about potomac a lot in the past and i'm i'm curious from this point in the season how are you feeling about sort of the the health of the franchise and do you do you think that there is real cause for concern or are you kind of an optimist at this point I think I'm, in the past when we've talked about this, I definitely have leaned way more optimistic. However, I want to offer that, I think especially if you've been watching 
Bravo for a decent amount of time. We know that the show's always, it's, it's always peaks and valleys. It's always highs and lows. Again, people never thought that Jersey could bounce back from season six. Like, and we've had a whole new life past that. If you look at Orange County. So like, that's where I'm kind of like, okay, like we've had not a bad season of Potomac. I think last season, people already started to be like, kind of wanted to change. But I still think, even though this isn't their best season by a mile, and I think it has to do with the cast dynamics, I'm still laughing my ass off. I'm still just enjoying seeing them. And I think that like, people need to also like, just look at that because compared to, and I love Atlanta, but like, to me, that's still night and day. Like Atlanta, the last season felt almost unwatchable in terms of like, it didn't even feel like a show. Whereas like, this feels like the cast isn't working. Like you can really pinpoint what isn't working, but I still think that it's, it's, it's still in decent shape, but something absolutely does have to change. I think for me, what I have realized about Potomac is that I think you're right that they are maybe it's like they're judged they're graded on a little bit of a different curve because they haven't really struggled as much in the past and they've had sort of that stability and they've never had a real like dud of a season even if there have been some ebbs and flows but when you're when I'm looking at the cast it's so interesting that they have not nobody has left that show since Monique after season five. So they, you know, Candace obviously was, came in later. They have their four OGs still hanging around. And then Wendy came on in season five. Mia came on in season six, season seven, the cast stayed the same. And then this year we added NECA. And so it's only, I think the second or third time in history that there have been eight full-time housewives on a season, which is already, you know, it's just a lot of people to juggle. But it also just feels like there hasn't really been sort of like we haven't like cleared the energy in the room in a really long time. And I think that's that's what I realized this week when I was watching the episode and we were coming back to stuff that was happening between, you know, Wendy and Giselle last season and Candace and Ashley are still kind of have had their simmering issues for like four seasons now that have always been kind of, you know, up and down. And it feels like there's, you know, with Robin and Karen, there's just like so much water under the bridge. And I think seeing in back-to-back episodes, Giselle has made comments about how there is nothing to be gained from her ever speaking to Candace. And she said last week's episode, I think she said it's fuck you forever with her and Candace. And I think that is just a really tough place to be coming from when you're trying to build a cast dynamic. And even when you can get everyone in the same room, there's just this kind of like air of stale negativity that is, it's tough. And I think with, for me personally, I think I'm having trouble with Wendy this season because I feel like so much of the, drama is centering on her both her issues with NECA and her her you know lingering stuff with Giselle whatever and I just like I'm realizing that I don't know if I super care (laughs) and not in like a personal way but just in a way where I'm like if we're gonna spend all this time talking about NECA and Wendy if I don't feel particularly attached to either of those parties it's tough to really be like 
inspired, even if on paper some of the conflict is entertaining. 1000%. I think, I mean, with everything you just touched on, I agree. And with, it's so interesting with the Wendy of it all, because this is her fourth season. And that's like a, a pretty decent run already to begin with. And I think, first of all, I really enjoy Wendy solo i've decided like i think some of her home scenes and her family and like being able to watch her grow in her career have been some of the most engaging we've had on the show period and even just in housewives and i again love getting to interview her i just think and i love i really enjoy her in that regard but i do feel like we're kind of reaching this peak in terms of like her and the group dynamics and how she appears within the group and not within the group so like of course like you know like at the end of this episode it's just like, it feels like something isn't true. <laughs> and not necessarily that she's lying, but there are just clear omissions that then the flashbacks kind of like when Neca's talking about her sip and see party, like it, and it really reminds me, it, this almost happens every season with Wendy. It happened last season too. Do you remember with Mia's cancer scare? We're within the group on camera. She was like, we should believe her. Like this is her personal health business. And then when she's like getting her mic taken off, she's like, She's a liar. And I feel like that has been a lot of the group's issue with Wendy, from what I can gather, is like, I don't think authenticity is the right word, but in terms of like how she just presents herself, that maybe isn't um, the same as when the cameras are down. And it feels like we're really reaching a peak of that. And NECA is kind of like a really big squeaky wheel in that. Does that even make any sense? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And it, it actually, it kind of gels with her work as like a, commentator and like a talking head on CNN and I think it's like in that sphere of things when you think about that like the whole job of being like an on-camera personality like that is that you are called on you usually have like you know 30 seconds or a minute to really like make your case and you know stake your claim and kind of it's like sort of an exercise in debate where it's like you choose what your viewpoint is going to be and then you kind of have to stick to that. And it almost feels like that's kind of how she approaches some of her relationships with the women that it's like, I, regardless of what the like most correct version of the truth is, I've decided that my, (laughs) my POV in this argument is X, Y, is X. And like, I'm going to argue that point. It's like you're on the high school debate team and you're you've you're given your position. And I think sometimes it's probably really exactly how she feels and very authentic, but sometimes it feels like a little bit of this grandstanding, you know, I'm going to debate you into the ground whereas if you take a step back and it's like what wait, what are we actually arguing about? This is stupid. Like you do know this woman. We know that you know this woman and <laughs> like you right. you saying that you don't isn't going to make it true. And I think yeah, it's tough cuz I I lo- I like Wendy as like a standalone figure like you said and I think, you know, her relationship with Eddie has been great for the show. I think people love mm-hmm. that for a reason. But it's just it's tough and I think you know, one quality that I think makes for longevity in a housewife is that being able to sort of keep it moving, keep it pushing and, you know, reshuffle the friendship cards when you need to and kind of let things slide off your back. And I think for Wendy, that kind of isn't in her DNA because I think she 
is so used to having to argue her point and sort of convince people to her side. So like with something like her and Giselle, it's like, can we just like, can we please like, we need them to just be like, great, moving on. We're never going to bring this up again. But I don't think that Wendy can really allow herself to do that. Absolutely. And and I'll offer too that it's hard. I'm literally racking my brain right now. For me with Wendy, it's also hard to know exactly why she is upset. Like I feel like with the Candace and Giselle situation, as intense as it is right now, we know exactly what it is. Giselle said this Mm. about Chris. Candace did not like that at all. And it seems like they're never going to move forward. And it still feels like with the Wendy Giselle thing, it was like, Ashley and Giselle were talking about the Eddie rumors and then her relationship with Giselle just kind of spoiled, but she's fine with Ashley. So that's kind of confusing. And then with the Mia thing, like that was kind of back and forth, but she's like kind of okay with Mia, but then is also calling her slow. And then with the NECA thing, it's like, she says she doesn't know her, but then she does know. You know what I mean? It's, it's really hard to just follow because it feels like the facts keep changing for her to the point where like, what was most interesting to me about that episode was at the end when even Candace in her interview was kind of like, I cannot follow this and it does seem like at this point it was interesting the first couple episodes i felt like there was a lot of at least on my timeline like a lot of NECA hate like people even being like she's got to go because of course we love wendy and are going to be loyal to who we know and now already especially after last episode people are like it's just hard to even imagine that NECA could come up with this i mean amazingly articulate completely made up scenario that has wendy dispressed does that make sense like it's like there's just no way yeah Right. Like it's, it's one of those things where you see it and it's like, I don't know that this is true, but it's also weird to think of that this is the lie that somebody would come up with if they were, if they were lying. Like it's one of those things where it's like, that's a really specific thing to make up. And then also when Wendy is like, let me read to you verbatim what my mom did say. And it's to hell with Mia and Peter. Oh, yes, I say holy ghost fire on Mia and Peter, a thunderstorm. Amen. It's like, is that um <laughs> is that voodoo? Probably not, but is that like what I think of as like a really, you know, lovely, nice prayer? Also, maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> it's literally giving whatever that means, is like literally how <laughs> it feels. Because it's like, um, and also to what you were saying before, though, I do think that that's how Wendy operates. Like she is a debater. So, like, and when you do that, you always like hit him with the facts. So she's like, if you're saying this, if you're going to say this about my mom, actually, I'm going to read you exactly what she said. Because technically, yes, she isn't saying, like, I don't know, she's like casting a spell or anything like that. But still, when she's reading it out loud, it's really not helping. And there's still just like, very clear and can i just say also out of side note and i know people have a lot of mixed feelings about her i've decided mia thornton is an amazing reality tv star i am so just like engaged with her reactions to the like she's kind of now become she's not a voice of reason but she's a really fun like she's really just a fun connection for the audience to like check in and be like okay what are we watching right now like what is happening Splash Refreshers are the delicious zero-calorie beverage I'm reaching for again and again when I'm feeling thirsty for something flavorful. I believe in the three-beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash spices it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. 
Lately, my go-to office beverage has been the Splash Wild Berry flavor. It's so nice to just put a few in the fridge at the beginning of the week. Grab one whenever you want something nice and refreshing. It's just the right amount of flavor, just the right amount of sweetness. You know the vibes. When you want something refreshing, when you want something hydrating, Splash is the perfect thing to reach for. It perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. And it's available in five craveable flavors. Wild Berry, that's my favorite, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin and orange. It's there to satisfy your need for hydration with a little flavor. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. I am so happy that warmer weather is finally back and we can get back to enjoying some time in the sun. But the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring May flowers and also sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I have had seasonal allergies for pretty much my entire life. Unfortunately, there are definitely those days where I have canceled my plans because I simply just don't want to be out in the world because of my allergies. But luckily, Claritin is the perfect thing that you can just take at the beginning of the day, and it really helps with all of those symptoms, clearing up your eyes, clearing up your sinuses, clearing up your congestion. It's the easiest way to just get those allergies under control whether it's in the spring, any other time of year. And it's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. I feel like I am in a different place with Mia after every episode of this show. Sometimes I forget <laughs> that she sometimes I forget that she exists. Sometimes I can't stand her. And sometimes I'm like, she's the best. And I think that these last two episodes. I really have been sort of won over by her. And I think you, you're you exactly right that she is a really good sort of like third party in a conversation where she's going to give you a, a funny expression or a, a comment on something like last week when they were, when things were kind of going left at the pickleball thing. And Wendy was saying that NECA was dumb or something. And you just they cut to Mia and she's she's like she called me that too and a bird brain and I like her the way she said bird brain was just like so so funny to me but also this week I really was I felt like I was getting wrapped up in her personal storyline which I was not yes. expecting that I I wasn't paying a lot of attention to what was going on with her and Gordon you know in real time I it just was like <laughs> didn't feel like the most important thing but this story about the guy that you know, owed them money and then Gordon sued him and he got disbarred and then he took his own life. That's a really dark story. And to see Mia be so affected by it and worried that this sort of thing could happen to someone else in Gordon's family if they continue down this road, I really was feeling for her because it's it's yes. this tough thing where she and Gordon are in this situation together, but have this like fundamentally different 
view now of how best to proceed. And like, I just was not expecting to really feel like, you know, like I even cared that much about what was going on with her. So I was like, this was an episode where I felt like it was kind of maybe a turning point we'll see in my relationship with Mia as a viewer. No, it was by far the most interesting dynamic aspect of the episode. And I feel like of the season so far. And I, I think that too, she's just as so, again, it, it still feels like she's a newbie in some ways, but this is her third season. But we've seen the dissolution of, of plenty of marriages on on Housewives. It's kind of like one of the top tier uh, storylines that you'd see. Of course, these are real people also. I know <laughs> these are real lives, but it becomes a common theme. And I think the thing that's so important storytelling wise is that you know these people enough to care about them i feel like that's one of the biggest complaints about drew stora is that like yeah the ralph and drew stuff was super engaging but like the second you met them it was so Mm. crazy you couldn't even you know like you you have to watch like sam and ron fall in love in season one before he's like throwing her glasses and like chucking a bed it's just you kind of have to you need like that place of equilibrium to kind of you need it's like when you're taking the polygraph and at the beginning they're like establishing your baseline <laughs> with like <laughs> yes or no questions. I it is because when you think about with Mia, you're right that she feels like still a newbie because there was, you know, there was no no one new last season. And I think she kind of was one of those housewives where at the beginning you're like, what is her deal? But thinking about sh- her energy, like the first season, she was like Boston CEO, like <laughs> your bills has been affected. Mm-hmm. And then now she's like in this place where it seems like her priorities have really shifted from, you know, hustling and being on top of the world, both figuratively and literally in her penthouse, to now she's like, actually, I want Gordon to be spending time with the family and retiring like he said he was going to. And yeah, money is great, but also I don't want somebody. I don't want people around me to literally die because of these money disputes. And I think it's, it's like, it's just sort of hitting me now that that's a pretty compelling personal arc for someone to go on. And I think it's, it's sort of the opposite sometimes of how we see housewives kind of, you know, we see like a Bethany Frankel go from being, you know, little miss uh, I'm broke in my Upper East Side apartment to, right. Burke and Bethany, whereas like it almost feels like Mia is sort of stripping that away a little bit this season. Yeah, and it almost makes you want to root for them a bit too, because you, again, you 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 have to care enough, and they have to be on long enough. And it felt like last season with the with the Jacqueline stuff that was just way too convoluted again to even <laughs> really understand. So it's, I'm glad that they just dropped that, and we could just focus on her. But also, I think in the group scenes even though she isn't on great terms with Wendy and like, she's not close with Candace. She's kind of like one of the big connectors because she can film a scene with pretty much anyone. And they'll at least look at each other and talk compared to, you know, you have like the green eyed bandits or you have, you know, Ashley and Candace are good now, but it doesn't seem like that's going to last very long. Like, so it, it is interesting too, that she's her home scenes are compelling, but also her place in the group feels really solidified. Like she has relationships with just about everybody. Yeah, it's a good point. And I think if you if you look at Housewives casting more broadly, it's a it's kind of a reminder that you can't build you can't build a cast with just the heaviest hitters and no kind of filler. And like filler filler sounds very negative, but it's like you need people to kind of support 
the not everybody can be the alpha boss you know you can't have six danielle stobbs and teresa's on a housewives cast it just wouldn't work and maybe this potomac cast is a little too big overall but also like it's tough when you have your giselle and your candace and your um your karen and like everybody's not on good terms and having mia there at least in these last couple episodes i think without her it would it would be even kind of bleaker because there just wouldn't be sort of that that extra something happening in the cast and it's 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 i don't know i feel like my opinion has been changed even just as we're as we're talking about no No, it's true and you're right you need just like you said you can't have i say this all the time and i love her she's one of my favorite housewives literally but like a dolores for example is someone who like she's not like the center of the story it's not like but you Mm -hmm. need someone who is a connected to them but is still engaging and can kind of move but that's how i felt for years now it's a little different but that's why I always was team don't fire Robin. Like, I feel like every season people were like, Robin's got to go. She doesn't do anything. But I was like, actually, no, she kind of does. Like, she is connected to all of them. She's engaged. She has great storyline. But, like, of course, she's not She's not Giselle or Karen. But I don't think every housewife needs to be a Giselle or Karen. Right. And I think that you can be – being a good friend and being a good housewife are not mutually exclusive. And I think – Right. It's sort of the the archetype for that was probably Cynthia Bailey that she was kind of oh my god yeah she was there for so long and she I mean season after season people were like Cynthia's boring fire Cynthia but she was a crucial piece of the the puzzle and I think we've missed her a little bit and when she when she popped back up on Atlanta last season it was a bright spot in a season that didn't have a lot of them and then she's now she's at Kyle Richards weed dinner. <laughs> Oh my God. Wait, Dylan, can we for two seconds also? Because you're so right about Cynthia, but I was sitting there. Do you ever have those moments where like you're watching Housewives and we've just taken in so much content that you like disassociate for a second and you like flashback? It's like you <laughs> to something and I was like, do you remember Kyle and Cynthia feuding on Ultimate Girl Strip season one after the um the like Cynthia's what what game did they play? Where like they really had like a deep thing where like they argued and I was like, that's totally not even in the context of this anymore. Cause I was like, they did not get along on that trip and it was so random. Yeah. I don't remember the context. I don't remember the game specifically, but girl strip season one is so interesting because Cynthia did not have a good time. And she was kind no. of like down and out that whole weekend. It was kind of a bummer. And then she didn't come back the next season after that for Atlanta. So it was, there was a moment where it really was like, wow Cynthia kind of left the housewives game with her tail between her legs a little bit and for somebody who had been on the show for so long it was kind of like an unceremonious way to go and then it it really does feel like maybe she's one of the better examples of how being put on pause even if that's not maybe the way it was framed like I think a lot of people now would be happy to have Cynthia back in the mix Oh, and she's done it. We've now had so many housewives leave. And now we know, though, now we know that in the universe, like, there's always going to be room for you to come back, depending on how you play your cards. And I feel like Cynthia has done such a good job of that. She'll pop on E! News Daily Pop with Justin. She'll, like, do some co-hosting. She'll, like, appear in some things. And, like, she's she was at BravoCon last year and wasn't on a show. She was just there, I remember. And I was just like, it's nice when you have people 
who are still kind of in that world. Cause then like when the door does open and again, I know everyone has their own relationship with the network and it's, it is a working relationship, but it's nice when you get to see that because then the door is kind of open and like, you can't be put on pause. And I think five, six years ago, getting fired from housewives felt like just the end of the road. And now it, there really is going to be, there's going to be work for you somewhere down the line. It seems like um, in some capacity, you're going to be invited on traders or girls trip or, BravoCon panel or you know some <laughs> some hosting right. gig like there's a lot more it feels like there's a lot more sort of out like you're gonna get an iHeart podcast <laughs> oh please <laughs> that'll be first that, that's step one <laughs> <laughs> yes I don't know uh Cynthia Bailey I don't know if I would listen to her podcast but I am I'm happy to see her on right and I'm happy I'm happy to see her um following Sutton and uh Kyle's spats <laughs> Exactly. And I'm Jared, I'm always happy to see you across the across the Zoom screen from me. Uh yes. tell everyone where they can follow you and read your stuff. Yes, I'm an entertainment writer at the Griot, so you can see all my reality TV TV film content there. And you can follow me on Instagram at the Jared Alex. Uh where I'm usually, you know, reposting Bravo by Betcha stuff at the time because it's so fun. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jared. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches. And until next time, be cool. Don't be all like uncool. Mention It All is produced by Dylan Hafer, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Dylan Hafer and Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to our sponsor, Splash Refresher. Meet the water beverage that loves self-care as much as you do. Just because you have to hydrate doesn't mean it has to be tasteless. Splash Refresher makes hydration deliciously easy. Splash perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. I am going to go grab myself a wild berry splash now that I am done recording, and you should too. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Betches.